2: You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As
3: we welcome you along to the programme, if you have a certain gift voucher uh, for some well-known shopping centres, you could be in a bit of a pickle because a warning has gone out uh, because thousands of consumers with gift cards issued by shopping centres all over the country fear that they could lose out after the payments firm... That manages the money for them has been shut down by regulators. Now, the biggest shopping centre affected is the Liffey Valley Shopping Centre in Dublin, but closer to home here in Cork. Mahon Point uh, Shopping Centre have both had to come out and publicly telling people that they are currently unable to accept gift cards issued for the shopping centre, by the shopping centre, also affected our gift cards uh, 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 issued by a number of shopping centres around uh, the country. Now, it, it, it's all to do with regulators in Lithuania. And I know people are going to say, what would Irish shopping centres have to do uh, with regulators in Lithuania? But regulators in Lithuania have revoked the licence of a company called UAB. Paynet. And the reason that their regulators have revoked the license, they're citing gross, systemic, and multiple violations of money laundering laws and also fears of terrorist financing law violations. So serious stuff indeed. A number of credit unions in this uh, country also use this UAB net as the issuer of their debit cards. And they've all now been told that they have to make uh, alternative uh, arrangements. But according to the credit union, they haven't got any uh, funds are being held by this particular uh, subsidiary. So, you know, they're, they're not at risk of losing out on money. But anyone who has one of the Irish Shopping Centre gift cards, one of the vouchers, there are real fears now that the customers could lose their money. A notice was issued to customers at Liffey Valley, saying due to circumstances beyond our control, we're currently unable to sell and that's why. It's good that they're coming up and saying we're not going to sell any more of our gift cards. But they also say they're unable to accept any gift cards that's already been sold by Liffey Valley uh, Shopping uh, Centre. And bear in mind that that particular shopping centre is one of the largest in the country. They've got about 80 stores and 20 restaurants. And they have been selling gift cards from as low as 10 euro. But you could buy a gift card for Liffey Valley up to €1,200 and that's a lot of money. Now, Man Point uh, Shopping Centre, they're a large shopping centre as well. They have more than 60 retail sto- stores. They put a post up on their website yesterday. Again, similar to L- L- Liffey Valley saying we're unable to sell gift cards and we are also unable to accept them. Now, Mahan Point say at this stage, the full implications and the timeline for the resolution are not completely clear. However, they say we're working closely with the gift card provider and exploring every possible avenue to rectify the situation. So fingers crossed that they will get it sorted. And just for now, you can't use your Mahan Point Shopping Centre gift card. Voucher, but hopefully they will get it sorted out now, under financial regulations uAB Paynet is required to pay money it handles on behalf of consumers into a ring fenced account and it's according to regulations, it has to be separate to their own accounts and this is a safeguarding rule and If they have done everything right and they have put used this safeguarding rule, it would mean that any of the money that was handed over for gift vouchers will be backed up and will be available then to be paid back to consumers so we can really hope and pray that that's what this UAB Paynet were uh, doing and that's actually mandated under EU laws now the central bank said it has been made aware of the revoked the, the of the license being revoked for Paynet uh, which was authorized as an e money institution by the bank of of lithuania and then passported its services into uh, Ireland. The central bank is now engaging with the Bank of Lithuania on the impact of the withdrawal of its licence and obviously any potential impact it's going to have here on Irish consumers. And last week, the Lithuanian central bank, which is called the Bank of Lithuania, they revoked the licence. It was told at that point to return funds to clients while the Lithuanian central bank is set to initiate bankruptcy proceedings against the firm. And of course, if the firm uh, gets bankruptcy proceedings, you can be guaranteed that the, the people anyone's got the gift vouchers will be bottom of the list all we can hope is that they were sticking by the safeguarding rule and that they have ring-fenced uh, the money now I saw already one Fine Gael uh, TD Emer Higgins has has come out in the wake of this announcement and she's uh, calling on uh, the Irish shopping centres to find a way to honour these gift cards uh, Emer Higgins said thousands of customers will be inconvenienced uh, by this recent announcement that leaves them unable to spend their gift cards for various retailers around the country. She's calling on the retailers and the shopping centres impacted to immediately find a way to honour existing gift cards. She said she's seen the various announcements that some shopping centres have made and while she fully sympathises that it is a difficult situation for them and for their staff, she said consumers need to be reassured that their gift cards will be uh, honoured. Deputy Emer Higgins also called on the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission to engage with uh, impacted retailers to bring about a resolution for uh, customers because uh, we've seen, we we haven't seen a case like this before, but we've certainly seen in the past where a business goes into liquidation or a, a bankruptcy proceedings are made against a business and how often over the years have we seen shops suddenly close down and we'll have people contacting us saying oh I've got a gift voucher, I bought a gift voucher for my son or I bought one for my husband or my wife or, or whatever and what can we do and people have to, if the business closes, have to suffer the loss of uh, the gift card and you know that's people's hard earned cash And and I know over the years we've often done pieces particularly in the run up to Christmas about buying gift vouchers and Dermot Jewell I can hear him ringing in my ears he always says to people if you are giving gift vouchers if you give a, and if somebody receives a gift voucher his advice always is to spend that gift voucher as quickly as possible because we know some of the gift vouchers if you don't use it over a certain period of time there's a certain amount of it is is taken off uh, every month as a kind of a, and a maintenance uh, fee or something it's called and then there was the ludicrous situation that we had in this country with gift cards where there was a very short expiry date some businesses had, had an expiry date as short as just six months, and of course, legislation and rules came in governing that. That all gift vouchers, such I think, it's, isn't it five years now uh, mandatory on all of the gift cards. Now we've got heard from other businesses who were absolutely fantastic. If someone arrived in with a gift card that was out of date, they they still honoured it, but it wasn't the case for all businesses. But this is a this is a different one now, and it's, it's sort of outside of the remit of the central bank, in that it's to do with the bank of Lithuania and a company in Lithuania has lost its uh, licence but it is certainly going to cause upset for anyone uh, from what I can see reading through the papers today, Mahon Point Shopping Centre seems to be the only one in Cork. There's others, as I mentioned, around uh, the country and certainly the biggest one is, is uh, Liffey Valley. I don't know if there's any other shopping centres or any other businesses here in the Cork area. No doubt over the coming days we'll hear if there is. But for now, if you do have a Mahon Point Shopping Centre gift card hang on to it you certainly won't be spending it today 0818 103 103 uh, John Paul's taking your calls Tony says Patricia are Dunn stores vouchers affected no absolutely not nothing to do with uh, Dunn stores uh, vouchers they're fine for now here it's just the Man Point shopping centre's gift vouchers Somebody, saying Patricia have you more tickets for the menopause summit I do today is my final day I have a final pair of tickets I'll give them away a little bit later on the National Menopause Summit is coming to Cork they're at Advocating for change, and it's going to happen on Friday, the 20th of October, uh, with a panel of expert speakers. It'll be a packed agenda of knowledge, advice, and support in the National Menopause Summit. If you want to find out more about it, you can go to their website where you can also get tickets, the National Menopause Summit.com, and we'll have a pair of balcony tickets uh, to give away again today, our final pair, and we'll do that uh, later on on the program. And a listener has been on to say that a wedding ring was found in Anne's Grove Gardens, the beautiful Anne's Grove Gardens in Castletown Roach. Now, it was found about two months ago and on the day it was found it, it, it was described as being in bad condition the actual ring itself was fine once it got cleaned up but it could have been there for a while a bit weather beaten uh, more than anything else anyway uh, the person who found it decided to take it into the jewellers in Mallow just to see you know, get it cleaned up and find out what they could about it and it's described as a Titan wedding ring and it has a date engraved on the inside the 3rd of the 6th uh, 17. So somebody got married on the 3rd of June 2017. If so, did you lose your wedding ring and were you in Ann's Grove Gardens? As I say, it was found about two months ago, but because of the condition it was in, the person who found it doesn't know how long it was actually lying there. could have been there for... Weeks. It could have been there for uh, months. We've actually put a picture of it up on our Facebook page, and we have the contact details for the person who found it. It would be nice to get this wedding ring back to the person who uh, lost it. So, if you know somebody who lost a Titan wedding ring in Ansgrove Gardens in Castletown Roach in recent months, then can you contact us, please, here at the radio 0818103103? Uh, John Paul has all of the contact details. And then a listener has been on. Uh, to us to say, just wondering... Can anybody help? I bought a Jacopazzi sugar bowl online. I bought it about three weeks ago. Now, the money's been taken from my account, but still haven't received the Jacopazzi sugar bowl. I've messaged them twice on Facebook. I've messaged them on Instagram. I'm not getting any response. And when I Google their phone number, it comes up and says it's out of service. Anybody else got a contact detail or how our listener can get through to uh, Jacopazzi, which is based in Yawle, isn't it? Do they have a shop in Yawle? Does the shop open? They're, they're, I know they're on Main Street. It used to be. They're still on Main Street in Yall. Does anybody know how do you get through to Jackopatsy Irish Pottery, which I, I'm a fan of. I love that blue and green or the plain blue uh, pottery with the swirl on it. It's uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. Anyway, can anybody help our listener trying to get through to Jackopatsy? Purchased an item three weeks ago and still hasn't arrived.
2: Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie.
4: Cork today on C one hundred and three. When
3: I mentioned the problem with some shopping centre gift vouchers, somebody says, "Patricia, does that include the all for one uh, vouchers?" No, it doesn't. This is specific to shopping centre vouchers that were issued by the shopping centre. So, in the case here in Cork, it's the it's Mahon Point Shopping Centre, and you can buy well you can't today but you were up to now able to buy a voucher for Mahon Point shopping centre that you could then spend in any of the shops in Mahon Point shopping centre it's the same with the one with Liffey Valley and there's another of other other shopping centres around the country but the Mahon Point one appears at this stage to be the only one in Cork so no that is completely different to the all for one vouchers if you have one of them you're okay Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. now Anne Hurley in Charleville is very well known to our listeners as she has shared Shared her cancer journey with us since she was first diagnosed with ovarian cancer back in 2014. At the weekend, she put up a social media post raising an issue that I feel is starting to affect another a number of other people. So we decided to ask uh, the wonderful Anne Hurley uh, to join us. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Patricia. Um, you're welcome to the programme. Now, firstly, um, I know on your social media post, you just described it as being a loved one. Are you saying who this happened to? A hobby and son. Hobby and son. OK. Yeah. The, wonder, the wonderful PJ who, who, yes. who you often reference. Yes. OK. The problem, uh, and, and we'll get to the outcome in a minute, but let's talk about the problem first. Uh, PJ, uh, struggling to access a GP in your hometown of Charleville. What That's happened right. what
5: happened? He was with the GP for thirty two years and the GP retired so the surgery was taken over by another GP. Now, I contacted Nora Heffernan who is the coordinator of the primary health care centres in the Cork area. And the good news for medical card holders is they were all allocated a GP over in the primary health care centre. So they're fine but private patients are at the discretion of the new GP. Now, unfortunately, uh, what would you say? They just didn't have room for PJ or my son or hundreds of more in the area. Yeah,
3: it wasn't that they took a look at PJ and decided we didn't want to take you on as a patient. It's just literally their list is full.
5: Exactly, yeah.
3: OK, so that left you with uh, where you thought PJ was going and your son were going. They weren't going. They so, weren't So going. you then tried to access a GP practice outside of Charlevan.
5: I did. I tried Buttevant, Mallow, Kilmaloc, um, New Newmarket, Kilfinnan, Brough. I'm trying to think. To, it was always in the 20 mile radius. And all their lists are full.
3: Oh well, did you literally ring all those GP practices?
5: Yes, yes. and um, Newcastle West as well. I said, you can't have people without a GP. You know, as point of reference, if they ever had to go into a hospital, they'll need continuity when they come home. Yeah. So eventually, yesterday, I got a GP for them in uh, Adair.
3: And was that based on you ringing again?
5: Yes. Yes.
3: And okay, the, the, the doctor that retired, it was two doctors, wasn't it, in the one practice? Am I yes, right in that? Okay. Yes, yes. How many patients, do you know how many patients collectively they, they, they had?
5: I'm not sure. I, I, I was talking to the nurse the other day because I had to get my blood done regularly there. And she was saying that the new doctor has taken on, is it 13 or 1400 patients?
3: So, ha- so have two doctors only been replaced by one doctor? Is that the problem?
5: No, there are two, there are three doctors there now in the primary healthcare centre but the three are working as separate entities.
3: But all of their lists are full? Yes. So how so you, many other people do you reckon are scrambling like, like you've well, been scrambling? List,
5: well, on the social media plus meeting them in town, there are hundreds. And People with children as well, you know, private patients, they can't get anywhere. Uh, friends that I know have rang everywhere. So yesterday, when I finally got a place in Adair, I contacted more people and went on social media, hoping that maybe they might get a Adair.
3: So that, that poor GP now is going to be, his, his, <laughs> list, his list will be filled fairly quick.
5: Fairly quick, fairly quick. Now I know we can be seen as well as far away as Castle Gregory. How far? far is, ah, how far? <laughs> ah, ah, <laughs> as, as the crow flies, how far is and, that from Charleville? Well, I suppose if you went through the fields, you'd get there in about two and a half hours. Oh, that's ridiculous. But uh, driving about two and a half hours, yeah, that's crazy.
3: That is yep. just great. And if someone decides in the morning. Or if somebody gets a job in the Charleville area in the morning and decides to move a family lock, sock and barrel, which would be great for the town, and yeah. if they managed to be able to find a house and get the kids into school, you're telling me they wouldn't be able to sign up to a GP
5: practice? If they're private patients, no. But if they're medical card holders, if they're refused by, this is what I was told yesterday now from the coordinator, if you're a medical card holder and... You've been refused by three GPs due to their list being full. You contact the HSE, and they will get you a GP. Now it mightn't be in the area where you live, but the, you will be allocated a you GP. Do,
3: yeah, I've heard of that. We we yeah. have we have heard of that happening in the past when we've had somebody on a medical card trying to get a doctor and that, that has, I, I can confirm that that does happen. Yeah. But I'm, I'm thinking of the people with that, fine if you're fine and healthy and you don't need a doctor. But we all need doctors at some stage. I mean, what do you, literally what do you do if you don't have a doctor and you if get you, sick?
5: Now, I was saying to people during the week, don't panic. You have walk-in clinics and you have after-hours doctor's The main thing, I think, is the continuity of care. If you're unfortunate enough to be in hospital for something, um, there was one gentleman was sent into hospital, we'll say, just on the changeover of the new doctors, and he had to have surgery. And when he came out, he had to go in to get his stitches removed, and they couldn't do it because he wasn't signed on. So... He had no place to go to get his stitches removed. So where
3: did he go, back up to the hospital?
5: He went back up to the hospital and the hospital told him that they had no wounds clinic, that he'd have to find a public health nurse to do it. And did he? No, because he wasn't assigned to the practice.
3: So was he going around with the stitches still in? He removed them himself. Oh, and
5: <laughs> needs, yeah. needs most? Me- needs most, that's what it has. I mean, and as you said, lack of doctors will deter people from moving to Charlville, which is a great commuter town. But it will deter people from coming.
3: And, you know, the other thing it, it will happen if you don't have a doctor and you're feeling unwell and then you, you don't get it treated and you start getting sicker. The pressure is going to put on A&E departments because that's where people are going to end up.
5: That's it, and I mean, there are some doctors saying that to their patients already, go to A&E. Now, that really maddens me when I hear stories like that, because you have people in A&E that are really ill, and you have patient patients that could be treated in primary, which means your first port of call. That's why the primary health care centers were brought into the areas. This is your first port of call. Now, they're told to go to A&E. They might only require an antibiotic, yet they have to wait 13, 18 hours inside an A- A&E. It's
3: clogging up A&E. Yeah. And, and the other, it's putting huge pressure on South Dock. Talk. South Dock, when it was designed, was brilliant. Out of hours, emergency. Yeah. GP. It's only meant to be an emergency. And we are hearing from more and more people. We had somebody only lately whose child had a really bad ear infection. She doesn't have a doctor locally. And she had to wait until six o'clock for Southstock and to go in to get an antibiotic for her child that she should have been able to go into her own GP and get.
5: It's a crazy situation. Now what really what would you say maddens me is people are blaming the Ukrainian asylum seekers, the non-nationals coming into our country for this catastrophe. It's not. It's not their fault. The government invited them in, the government provided medical care for them, as they're entitled to as well, as we would be entitled to if we went to any other European country. It's the government and the health system. Well, We don't have enough to...
3: GPs. We and, and, and we've been talking about this for years we've been talking about that there was a problem coming down the tracks as GPs were retiring Uh, enough young doctors uh, for whatever reason don't want to get into uh, becoming GP practices I know the last time we got on to it was either the Irish Medical Council or the Irish Council General Practitioners they're going overseas trying to recruit GPs uh, to come into this country I heard of a husband and wife team for example from South Africa up the country but they've got to do two years under the supervision of a GP but we're now looking abroad to source GPs but we've known that this problem was coming we we know what age our GPs are so we know in X number of years so many of them are going to be retired
5: Exactly it's just I think with the build up of population the, the younger doctors that are qualified now are coming online and they're saying to themselves do we need this for the money we're getting paid I mean they're going Abroad, they're going to America. They're going to Australia. They're going to other EU countries where the pay and conditions are a lot better.
3: Better quality of life and everything. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and yes. they, and they can afford a house.
5: And this, they can yeah, afford yeah, a it's
3: house. It's just it's but yeah, but not having a doctor is is just it's a nightmare. To it's even frightening. Even... It's frightening. So how far? How, somebody wants to know how far is Charleville to Adair? About twenty miles. All right. Okay. It's not too bad. It's still it's still. Okay, but at least he's got sorted. And um, and you raised it also. Did you raise it with them, um, your local TD, Michael Moynan
5: I did. I got onto his page to get his email, so I yeah. got the Aroctus email uh, address. So I emailed there, and I didn't get any reply. But as we know, that his staff reads the emails first, and it's up to them to pass on relevant information to him. So when he probably didn't get that email yet
3: yeah it'll be from from what you're saying you definitely need at least one more g p based out of Charleville.
5: i think for if for maybe twelve months, if they could put in two locums till the situation yeah. became calmer yeah if they put in two locums for twelve months, I think it should help the whole system now the h s e has stated to me that they didn't get any complaints in regards to the charge for primary health care centre. Neither did the coordinator of the primary health care centre. She didn't get any complaints regarding that issue, those issues either.
3: So people need to start complaining is what you're exactly.
5: saying. Exactly. Oh, because if you don't complain, know, you I won't know. get. And you have to go to the relevant uh, authority. I mean, the, the coordinator for the primary health care centres is basically for medical card holders.
3: Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Okay. So well, listen. Patients thank, thank God, PJ and your son Aaron has been sorted. And how are you doing health-wise? I can always check in with you. Not too bad. I'm
5: just going into hospital now again next week or the week after for um, more tests.
3: Okay. Okay.
5: You're losing
3: too much weight. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Hang in there. I
5: will. And I will. and
3: look after yourself. And and best regards. Kind uh, regards to PJ as well. Listen, mind yourself, Anna. Always a pleasure to talk to you. You.
5: To Patricia. Thank bye. you. Bye
3: bye bye bye. The wonderful Anne Hurley in Charleville raising an issue, as they say, which is affecting uh, not just people in the Charleville area, but we do uh, hear of people who have difficulty uh, trying to get a GP because all of their lists are full. Somebody says we're living in a third world medical service. Waiting in A and E for hours is simply not. On. This listener feels doctors don't seem to care like they did years ago. I think that could be to do with the stress. They're all uh, working under perhaps. Someone says, could pharmacists not give out antibiotics and practice nurses taking pressure off doctors? The Irish Pharmacy Union has been calling for something similar for quite uh, some time. Someone else says, if people can't get a GP in their local area, why can't people go online and have a virtual appointment with any uh, GP Uh, That will take them on their books. Remember, like what we did during the pandemic, are there virtual GP practices that people could sign up to? And another texture says, Doctors and nurses are leaving Ireland, going to Canada and Australia and the US of A. They will never be seen again. They're getting better wages and they're getting better working conditions and they have a better work life balance. The latest nationwide survey by business group Irish Business Against uh, Litter showing Mallow, in second spot in the list of 40 towns and cities. And Maham, previously seriously littered, littered, is showing improvement. To discuss the latest survey, I'm joined by Connor Horgan of Eyeball. Good morning to you, Conor. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, firstly, looking at the overall results, 90% of towns deemed clean. Got to be pleased with that.
6: Pleased with that. Um, it's little change, actually, over the last 12 months, but um, that's no bad thing. Um, We're looking into the summer months with this survey and the time when we're greeting the majority of our tourists. Thankfully when it comes to our towns, we're going to be greeting them with, for the most part, clean streets. So long may that continue. So that's a very, very good um, uh, result. Not so good in the cities. We've often spoken about it, Patricia. They're falling short of the mark. They're not terrible. Um, Cork, for example, is moderately littered. It's not far off clean, but it's isn't clean and it you know it was clean for a number of years in the uh, in recent times um, and it's the same for Dublin. and it's the same for limerick so the uh, you know obviously people access the towns through the cities typically and they're being met with dirty streets all too
3: often now uh, malo has had a litter issue in the past but it looks like it really is starting to get things right
6: Yes, now this was a return to the league for Mallow because, as you know, we rotate our towns to some degree. We rotate the Cork towns. We rotate Middleton and Formoy. Um Mallow was clean the last time it was in. That was in 2018, I think. And it certainly was clean this time around. Nine of the ten sites surveyed got the top litter grade. Um, there was no heavily littered sites, So um, that's a superb result for Mallow, especially when as I say, they've been absent from the league, so they haven't been monitored. So tremendous results.
3: And when we mentioned it yesterday, actually, the Fomoy Tidy Towns Group were congratulating the Mallow uh, Tidy Towns Group who work uh, really hard. But somebody from the Mallow Tidy Towns Group contacted us and said they weren't even aware that they were in the eyeball survey.
6: Yes, now, um, well, as you know, we don't tell... they, they, They should have been advised via Cork County Council that they were in the survey. We would have advised the council of the towns uh, through Antashka, and maybe it was remiss that that maybe didn't happen. But, you know, we always retain the element of surprise anyway, Patricia, and you never okay. know when we're going to turn up. And uh, that's deliberately done. So okay, well uh, they, it makes it all the better a result for that. Yeah,
3: yeah. And they work. I mean, I have to say kudos to the Mado Tidy Towns volunteers. I often see them out and about. They they really are a very diligent uh, bunch. And it really yeah. is reflected, isn't it, in, in results where you have an active Tidy Towns group. They are the towns that do well in surveys like yours.
6: Yes. I mean, I, I don't think that we've ever had a winner or probably anyone inside our top 10 without uh, the tidy towns being a huge influence you know yeah, I mean yeah. the local authorities on its own are not enough to keep a town clean pure and simple
3: and uh, in, we, I mentioned Mahan in, in the city uh, I mean that's improving and more needs to be done but it's great to see an area improve survey on survey it, it, isn't it it
6: is good it, absolutely and particularly in an urban area because we haven't seen if I go outside the Cork area you know, a lot of these urban areas, they're sort of stuck in a mire. They're uh, littered or seriously littered. We haven't seen much improvement, so Namahan had a very bad result last year, and it seems to have been an outlier. It has improved, but it has only improved because people have cleaned up. In particular, there were no heavily littered sites this time round. That's been a positive, Patricia, generally across the country. We're seeing fewer litter black spots or very heavily littered sites, and you know, we're reading that as, uh, as meaning that the local authorities are finally acting on the bad areas that we highlight. It was the same in Cork. Uh, not enough good sites, but not many very bad sites. Cork City, I should say. Um, and likewise in Mahan no very heavily littered sites. so that's got to be a positive
3: Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's try and always look at the positives I would have spoken with you uh, Connor, during Covid times and we were all bemoaning the fact of uh, the PPE gear particularly the masks and uh, the plastic the, the disposable gloves and oh God it was dreadful uh, to see them uh, this is really a sign of the times the PPE gear is now disappearing thank God It is, like it's still in
6: 7% of sight and you'd wonder does that mean that it's been lying there for the last yeah. 18 months or 12 months? Because I don't believe there's a lot of masks being dropped on the ground at present. Yeah. but yeah. Uh, So that's maybe the remnants of COVID. Um, uh, we're still seeing uh, alcohol cans and bottles at a higher level than before COVID. And, and coffee cups, certainly, they remain a big problem. So I think we have seen a shift in behaviour where people are consuming outdoors. That's probably here to stay and it inevitably brings litter with it.
3: It's frustrating Connor to see things like drink cans or bottles being dumped when they are so easily recycled.
6: Yes, I suppose it's I mean the recycling is one thing but I suppose if you have a, a you know a group of revelers out and they're ah. drinking in a park, I suppose it's the last thing on their minds really.
3: Yeah. And yeah. um,
6: I'd be more I'd be actually more upset with the coffee cup. Yeah. That um, And we've spoken about this before, Patricia, but, you know, we, uh, we're just not seeing people refilling their coffee cup. I mean, I, I, every day I go to my coffee shop and, I, and I, there's a total absence of people bringing along their coffee cup. Everyone's buying disposable ones, even when it's clear by their pattern that they could easily be bringing. You know, it's the same people every day, maybe retired people. You're thinking, why don't they bring along the cup?
3: Um, yeah, I had relatives and, uh, um, are last year home from Australia and um, everywhere you go in Australia to, and they're big into getting their, their coffees, particularly in the Melbourne area, going out for coffees. Keep cups are just the order of the day. Everyone just brings their if, keep cup you know, with them. And they actually commented on the fact that they couldn't believe that there were so few people using keep cups.
6: It's, a, it's actually a really poor reflection, I'd have to say, on people here that there's such a weak uptake of the keep cups it 's hard to explain to someone from Australia why we're not doing it mm. and it shows a disregard, and you know we're mentioning vapes this time around disposable vapes they're you know part of the same story that there is refillable vapes of course, but the added convenience of the disposable vapes means we're seeing more and more of them, and they're very harmful they're, they're a battery there's a battery in them of course and I'm sure people would, most people would think twice before throwing a battery on the ground. They're quite aware of how toxic it is. But that's exactly what's happening with these disposable vapes.
3: And cigarette butts, cigarette litter, is that still in evidence?
6: It still is. um, It still is the problem it has been. um, You know, what's going to happen there? Well, I think we've just got to, uh, you know, educate people that the cigarette butt is not harmless. It's toxic, it pollutes and... um, But it's the same issue again, Patricia. It's the convenience of the everyday item. People are very, you know, uh, slow to let go of it, to maybe have a cigarette butt tin with them, Mm. to bring their refillable cup, to bring their refillable vape. People are opting for the convenience
3: option. Almost sounds a little bit lazy, Connor. I have to say. It does, okay, it
6: does indeed. All right, and, but, uh,
3: but listen, we'll go back to where we started. Ninety percent of uh, towns deemed uh, clean, onwards and upwards. When will the next survey result be out?
6: We'll have a coastal survey, please, God, at the um, at the start of September, which will look on how our coastal areas were this summer, and then we'll have our. We'll be back to our towns and cities.
3: Um, in the autumn. Okay, because only during the week we were talking about the big coastal clean-up that happened with all, uh, there was 600 uh, school children were out doing a big clean-up on four of our beaches and it was just incredible they found a bottle that we've dated now to around the 1880s, 1890s and just making the point that if you throw something away you never really throw it away. Absolutely absolutely
7: true,
6: so hopefully that work and other efforts will Will yield a good result this summer.
3: Okay. All right. Listen, Connor, thank you for that. And uh, we'll speak again. But in the meantime, thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is Connor Horgan of the Irish Business Against Litter. Somebody says, Hi, Patricia. I was in Ballybunion Beach at the weekend. There was at least 20 covered bins on the actual beach. Great credit must go to Kerry County Council very little bins if you're visiting beaches in West Cork. Cork County Council, please put on more bins. It's on Keep Cups that we mentioned with our interview with Conor Horgan of Eyeball, Listen says, on the Keep Cups, many of the ones you buy are too tall for the coffee machines. If you go into a coffee shop, yeah, the, the machines can not take the very tall Keep Cups that you buy and predominantly they are the ones that are on sale. You've got to look around for sort of like the smaller ones. They're almost like a glass size with a a lid on them but that is a good point I don't know the coffee shops themselves do they sell the correct size uh, coffee cups for their uh, the correct size keep cups for their machines but you are right it can certainly be a problem 0818103103. John Paul's taking your calls uh, we've got news at 11 on the way so thank you for talking about cleaner roads and cleaner streets and recycling etc only yesterday I collected rubbish from my home in M- Whelan and out of my walk and returned. I did about a one mile stretch. I collected a half a fertiliser bag of rubbish just on a one mile stretch. What saddened me most was I collected there was a collection of seven disposable vapes in a bunch. So a little nest of disposable vapes. So somebody had obviously been gathering up the disposable vapes I'm assuming in a car was it? And then decided just to dump them all together. Shame on the person who did this at anne Please respect our lovely countryside of era and dispose of your rubbish uh, yourself. And of course, the the big worry with the disposable vapes is a little battery inside in that and they are detrimental to our environment. And somebody else says, uh, Trish, um, on clean streets and roads, uh, would you give a shout out of gratitude, please, to the staff of Newmarket County Council for cutting the hedges around Mount Keefe Cross? It's so much safer and so much easier now to use the intersection thinking uh, uh, who is responsible from all of the locals Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. thank you for that and then on doctors and trying to get a GP this was the issue that we discussed with um, Anne Hurley and the problems she was having for her husband and son and thankfully they have managed to find a GP after going to huge huge lengths and calling nearly every GP practice I'd say in North Cork has got to know Anne Hurley from the calls she's been making uh, lately. Somebody says, Anne, who was talking to you about having no doctor, I'd like to say that this problem is all to do with refugees and Ukrainians living in Ireland. And Anne was on about how the population is growing. Well, it's growing because of all of the Ukrainian refugees. Are our government so stupid that they don't see that there are too many refugees already here in this country? They should have put a cap on how many they would allow into Ireland. I also think there is, uh, I also think a lot of these refugees, Ukrainian refugees, will not go home when the war is over because they have it too easy here in um, Ireland uh, many of them will go home others of course will settle that's by the nature that's what refugees do but can I just stop you when you're trying to blame the Ukrainians for coming into Ireland and the lack of GPs if you go back to 2015. It was estimated in 2015, which was way, way before Putin decided to invade Ukraine. Back in 2015, it was predicted that by 2025, which is now only two years away, there would be as high as 1,380 GPs missing from Ireland's current workforce. And that was down to they knew the age profile of doctors and they knew that they would be uh, retiring. And at the time, In 2015, the significant factor was contributing to the problem was a lack of suitable undergraduate placements for medical students. So we've been talking about this for quite some time and our own doctors and our own GPs were calling since 2015 for urgent action to be taken to tackle Ireland's severe shortage of uh, general practitioners because the knock-on then is is having a knock-on effect on the doctors that are there and are uh, working. And I read an article Um, recently enough that was highlighting uh, you know the lack of doctors uh, in this country and we are 30% if you look at the numbers per head of population we are 30% below the number of GPs per head of population than say the UK or Australia and I think Canada Uh, so we have 30% fewer GPs per head of population than what they have in the United uh, Kingdom so of course there's a knock-on effect then when people try to sign up to a uh, GP And someone else is saying doctors, if you're a private patient, they get well paid to see you. Uh, They're charging 60 euro for a GP appointment. This listener feels you're ushered in, not listened to and rushed out the door again within five minutes. If they can't give the time, they shouldn't be charging that kind of money. It's a disgrace. And could that be all down to exactly what I'm talking about? The GPs that are there are under so much pressure because there's a lack of GPs and they know that the waiting room is getting fuller and fuller. So do they have to speed up the amount of time that they can spend with uh, their patients? It really is a problem that, as I say, we've been talking about long before the Ukrainian refugees arrived in this country. And unfortunately, I think we're going to be talking about it for quite some time uh, to come uh, because of the, the issue that we're not training enough GPs. And then it takes, I think it's about four years after After medical college, you know, there's a long lead in to somebody qualifying and then actually going to work as a GP. 0818 103 103. Uh, John Paul continues to uh, take your calls. Anne was on to say this is a different Anne to the Anne we spoke with earlier to say that she received a text from her GP practice on Friday and the text said you need to make an appointment as Anne is awaiting blood test results. So she rang yesterday to say, look, I got this text. I'd like to make an appointment, please, to be told. You'll have to ring back on Wednesday morning at 9am to make an appointment. It's blood test results my doctor wants to give me, but I can't even book an appointment. I now have to wait until Wednesday. Things are going from bad to worse. And because I don't drive, I have to book taxis to get a doctor, uh, to get to the doctor. And Anne wants to point out taxis now. Are even hard uh, to get. Yeah, we there. Yes, I'm constantly hearing about people having difficulty getting getting uh, tax taxis. I won't even get into taxis at night because obviously there's not so many working at night now. But even during the day, some people say they're struggling to get uh, taxis. But that's that's a new one for me. And that you ring to make an appointment to be told you have to ring on another day on a special day to make an appointment particularly when they sent you out the text saying, please contact us to make an appointment. Not making any sense at all. 0818 103 And uh, Mary has been on about what's going on in RTE. And that issue, can I say, is just all over the papers again. Uh, this whole issue around rent property and the secret payments. It's certainly while RTE and the executives might want this to go away. It certainly isn't going away. Uh, Mary says... Um, Uh, Hi, Patricia. R. -R T. E. People need to spare a thought for Ryan Tuberty's mental health state during this feeding frenzy. I think it's shocking to see his former colleagues circling like vultures, all to save their own blushes, and a public. And the public free for all to say anything they want on radiophonons, The Public Accounts Committee will do well to remember the very costly Angela Kearns case when politicians' grandstanding to get headlines on the six one news has still not been sorted out in the courts. It seems RTE were legally contracted to pay the Reynold fees to Ryan Tuberty. When Pat Kenny uh, was in RTE at one point in time, he was the highest paid. He was on just under a million euro a year. It was 950,000 euro. That was back in 2008 nobody batted an eye at the time says Mary. The amount involved is not massive in this case so a bit of perspective here please and please remember that nobody died says uh, Mary and I I was chatting with somebody yesterday where I did make that point where I was wondering what Ryan Tupperty is going through at the moment or the person I was talking to is another person in radio who didn't have a lot of sympathy I have to say for Ryan Tupperty. but I would worry about from the human side of it it can't be easy for him because no doubt he's hearing everything that's been said on the radio and and I take it he's reading the papers. Hopefully he's not going anywhere near social media but he really is being attacked at the moment. 0818 103 103 John Paul taking new calls. C
4: 103 Jobs.
3: Ashgrove Renewables, they're recruiting a sales support administrator. It's for their expanding home energy division. You need to send a CV to hr at ashgrove.eu. Machine drivers, crane operators, lorry drivers, Arctic dumper drivers all want to work in the Cork area 021 233 9120. A minibus driver is wanted to cover the July Summer Education Programme that's in the Charleville area. Call John on 087-2154385. And a part-time kitchen porter is wanted to work at Longeville House in Mallow. CVs to info at longervillehouse.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie. Forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
4: Court today on C103.
2: With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. See MIG.ie.
3: Now, we've been talking in the last hour about lack of GPs, and there is a problem with uh, GP availability in uh, this country. There are also fears in the Fomoy area that they, they could lose out on their South Docs service. And this is due to a lack of replacement staff. Local Fianna Fáil Councillor Deirdre O'Brien has contacted the programme about a meeting of all South Dock staff, which I'm told is due to be held, I believe, tomorrow or is it today? Good morning to you, Deirdre. Good
0: morning, Patricia. Uh, when is this meeting to happen? Yeah, it's supposed to happen tomorrow. at four o'clock in Femoy and 5.30 with the Mallow staff. So there's two different um, meetings, um, as I say, with staff.
3: And but, what do you believe this meeting is about?
0: Oh, I think we've reached, like we've been shouting for a long time on the uh, threatened closure of Moy, but this is definitely the reducing down of the hours. The service is going to reduce down to closure at 10 o'clock at night. With like, I always feel you start reducing down and, and you know, gets less and less Then eventually will probably be gone. Like, I suppose actually, first of all, I want to come in and Anne Hurley. My God, she was brilliant. A brave woman that came on there. She just says exactly as it is. I've been proactive in, in raising this and I've raised my own living health in Mitchellstown in recent times because I'm getting it from the people on the ground. But you see, people are afraid, and I'm, I'm a big believer of people's power, but people are afraid to raise it because it's like crime, it's like everything, you know, what's the implication, what happens for them, will they get to a doctor? You know, so I suppose this is what I'm finding coming to me with this. But it's interesting to say where the HSC and the centres, the primary care centres managers, I said they're hearing nothing. Yeah, no, and I yet Anne
3: said she was inundated when she put it up online and she's been stopped on the street. She reckons yeah. it's hundreds of people are affected in Charleville.
0: Oh, Patricia, you have no idea what I hear every day. And people are saying, to me, well done for raising us and, you know, this needs, something needs to be done. But like people themselves, and centre essentially saying, oh, but, you know, okay, I agree totally they're overwhelmed with work and they are short on the GPs. I suppose, look, the whole service has been With you know the influx of the Ukrainian and migration, like we have, you have a you have a lot on it. I suppose it's up to the government now. Definitely, I would say there they need to step up to the mark because, like, they've put the money into education, but they haven't put into where we really need it on the ground
3: the GP. Yeah and but as as I mentioned um, Deirdre they've been men- the GPs themselves have been talking about this since 2015 back in 2015 15. they predicted within 10 years there was going to be a major shortage now we're nearly we're two years off the 10 years and we're seeing the shortage and it's we because are. there wasn't there's a lack of suitable undergrad placements for medical students that was back in 2015 the last time I looked into it I know they were going abroad trying yeah. to get foreign doctors to come to Ireland.
0: Yeah yeah, we have that. And I suppose, look, you can see a We are, I suppose, are we educating enough doctors? Then we're losing a lot of them abroad because they say conditions. would so make it attractive for them here because a lot of people actually abroad want to come home. Like, you know, life in Ireland is good and they want to be with their family for support and that kind of thing. But look, and I, I don't want them going abroad if they're looking forward in their education or gaining experience. Well, like we have to encourage them back as well. Mm. And as you say, look, our foreign doctors as well. Yes, you know, we, we're at a crisis at this stage because, you know, we're getting to a stage now where GPs are doing shorter hours. They're doing their clothes. They, look, I talk to my own area, like six day GP, living health clothes at 4 o'clock. You get to see the South Dock opens at 6. People are going to South Dock and they're literally saying they're, they're so relieved to get to see a GP because they can't get one in their own living health centre. But and that, that
3: wasn't it. what South Dock was put in place no, for.
0: that's right. Exactly, to the now service. You emergency. You
3: know, as as yes, Emer- emergency.
0: Me. Yeah, but they're actually having to see this is what's going on now. And if you don't, have South Dock, they're going to A&E. And you can see, an example actually is Limerick. Limerick um, reduced services in Nina, and Newcastle West. And um, Limerick, uh, sorry, they, they, and it's chaotic in Limerick. Yeah. Um, Yeah, in the A&E, chaotic. And, you know, so that's what's going to happen here. And we are at chaos as it is, like, because we don't have a full um, ambulance service. It's like the ambulance service is totally over, and I'd say worked. Then you have your A&E, like the crowds, like, you know, you're, you're, like, people going to A&E now for minor ailments. Because they can't see a GP. That's it, that's it. And, like, you know, I have to agree. My colleague there, Councillor William O'Leary, said, you know, let the pharmacist dispense and he's so right because, like, I suppose, you know, sometimes you are ringing the GP and you're literally at a sore throat and you know yourself an antibiotic will sort this. You'll get over the phone. So, like, what's the difference? At least you're going to the pharmacist. But they look at you. They see you. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel, and look, a lot of times, you know, you can be taking the over-counter medications and you just want to nip it, you know, so you need to get your antibiotic. But, like, let the pharmacist, because you're, you're trying to get to GP to get that, like you're waiting for an hour before you get a call answered, You know, then you're waiting for the GP to come back to you. So there's probably hours gone before you actually pick up your antibiotic anyway. Yeah, you know? and
3: another big bugbear with me, and I've spoken with the Irish uh, Pharmacy Union about this because we've got yeah. drug shortages. So yeah. if you get a prescription from the doctor and you go into the pharmacy and that particular drug isn't available, now the pharmacy straight away knows the substitute that can be used, but yeah. they can't give you the substitute without going back to the right. GP who has to right. reissue a new prescription, and that's that's a ludicrous situation. The GP, this, the pharmacy knows, has it on the shelf and could hand it to you. And that's putting additional pressure on a GP service that's already working flat out.
0: You have said it there in a nutshell, exactly Patricia. Like there needs to be a little bit of logic here somewhere along the way. There's no one there's no one getting to the crux of the problem. You know, we're going to, like, you're going to get to a stage now, oh, this will happen and you can't reverse it. Mm. So like, and I suppose I've been shouting about this, like this all kind of really reached during COVID, I suppose really with this sector, And I think a lot of things I've come from COVID that have actually made people realize maybe, you know, with jobs and that it's like there's a life balance, but at the same time, services have to be there, you know, like it's, it's okay. really important. Okay. Like and people the, are going to die here. And
3: back to, back to Southstock and from OI and this meeting that's happened. Is it tomorrow or today? Tomorrow, tomorrow Wednesday. Wednesday. It's Wednesday, yeah. okay. Um, the uh, just the last time we were on to the HSE about South Dock was March and they said in March they have no plans to cease operation at South Dock in Formoy. Okay, no plans to cease operation, but that's not saying that they won't reduce the hours, is it? That's it, And yeah. that's your fear?
0: That's my fear. They are going to reduce the hours, but like as I said, then the hours will be reduced. And then you're going to have, like, like you know, when do people know they're going to get sick? I know.
3: You have to get you know, sick within the hours of, yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, exactly. okay. Like South Dock and Famoy, just said, if South Dock and Famoy is actually so busy. It actually can be busier than Mallow, and Mallow would be a big catchment there, there, but South Dock and Famoy at times, have heard, it can be busier than Mallow. You know, and, like, Mallow's going to suffer a because, like, the likes of Cantor, is going to close or reduce hours, and it's going to... Um, We'll say pressure on Mallow as well.
3: But this is down to it, lack of staff, isn't it? This is they, ha- they don't have the GPs to to work in South dock
0: But they have not kind of advertised, like the GPs, yes, probably, but there is a lot of ancillary staff as well. But like the GPs, like, you know, what's the story? There was GPs in Michazon and they left Living Health for reasons. I don't really look, there's reasons being mentioned, whatever, but, you know, why is it some areas can seem to cope and other areas can't, you know? Okay, but,
3: okay. Yeah. all right, we'll keep an eye on this. As I say, those meetings are yeah, due look, to be held tomorrow
0: happened on about for a while but I feel myself something needs to be okay. done and I'm delighted that people and that Andy come in today thank you OK alright listen thanks, Deirdre, thanks Deirdre. Deirdre thank you for that
3: and uh, thanks uh, for joining us that's uh, Fianna Fáil North Cork Councillor uh, Deirdre O'Brien 0818 103 103. now last Friday Cork County Council elected a new Mayor for the following year and taking up the office is the Council's longest serving Councillor Franco Flynn who is also the Council's first North Cork Mayor since its establishment in 1898 and I'm delighted to say the new mayor of Cork County for the following year uh, joins me Councillor Frank O'Flynn. Good morning to you Frank and congratulations.
8: Good morning uh, Patricia and it's great to be on and good morning to listeners from all over North Cork and Cork County and further afield.
3: Is this the highlight of your political career Frank?
8: Without doubt uh, I was elected in 1999 uh, and I thank the people of my municipal area for returning in each subsequent election. And the highlight of any council's uh of his career would be the self as the first person in his county. And uh, the last person to hold that distinction, he was chairperson, was in nineteen eighty one. That was Finney in Mitchell's town great right friend of my mine Dick Fitzgerald. Uh, so I'm the first uh, fall person. And I'm the first person to hold the position of mayor because we changed that eight or nine years ago in the, in the new changes yeah. in, the new, in local government. So I'm honoured and I'm conscious of the honour and uh, and I recognise the greatness uh, of a beloved county, Cork. It, um, it has been a tremendous place of growth and, and continues to be, but it's the biggest honour that anyone can have. And I'm overwhelmed by it and delighted to be representing my party, of all, and uh, also to be unanimous choice in the chamber on the day and the tremendous amount of support I got from all across the Chamber. Yeah, it's a great honour.
3: It's a great honour. And I know uh, when I was chatting with the outgoing uh, Mayor Danny Collins, he spoke about the amount of community events that he attended uh, throughout the year. Is that something you're very much looking forward to and something that's very much part of your plan for the following year, get out there into the communities?
8: Well, as everyone knows, uh, Franco O'Flynn, I've always been embedded in the community. I'm a community person. Born, reared. I'm live in the community, I'll fight for the community and I'll always support the local community because community means everything to me. And that was the focal point, you know, Patricia, and especially during COVID uh, and as light was one of the councillors that pushed it was we asked people to stay local and shop local and support local. And I can tell you, Patricia, we've bars now opening up we have shops that we're going to close, staying open. And people are staying local. They are shopping local. And the local community of us, the community centre, is the focal point. And during COVID, they're really and truly, and you can take the GA is embedded also, the bedrock of every community and every crossroads. And we were looking to have it. And people really um, suffered that time. Um, and they had no one to talk to or talk to. But by God, the community stood by them. And our villages are growing. And I'll be very, very strongly Committed to the, to the communities. You know, I'm a member of Leader, Blackwater Leader. I'm also a Vice Chairman. And they are really and truly are for the community, by the community, and they drive the community. And I'm delighted there's scarcely a village or crossroads in Norcock that hasn't got support from Leader as far as funding is concerned and as far as help is concerned. And I'm actually going to my next meeting it'll actually be a meeting of the Board of leader in Castle and Roach.
3: Okay. Is housing now probably the most pressing issue facing not just Cork County Council but indeed all councils?
8: All councils. And it is imperative that we address the the urgent need and there's a massive need out there for the issues and everyone out there. The biggest number of phone calls I get in any one day whether it's by email, whether I meet them in the street or whether they phone me or they get, get someone to ring me or they'll, or they'll call out to the house. Uh, and there is a nudging need throughout Alcock County, throughout Ireland, but definitely in cock and Cock County. And I'm going to put my whole effort into we need more social and we, we need more affordable.
9: Mm. And we have
8: a target of, of 3,200 roughly of social houses in, in Alcock. And uh, we've delivered 659 last year. We are 362. And, they're, and uh, Patricia, they're not just numbers. They are families. And I know families at the moment who are cannot afford the exorbitant and rinse. They have to move back in with their parents. They're overcrowded. They have a son or daughter doing the leaving stuff or doing the doing stuff Are going to college. And those conditions...
3: It's causing, yeah, it's and it's causing problems within yeah. families when there's too many people all living in the same house because well, you've, you've
8: got clash of personalities and everything. Well, I'm a very strong supporter of education and delighted we brought in the, for education in 66. It gives every child an opportunity but definitely there's much opportunity if you're studying for the exams and you're studying for uh, throughout the year and you're living in conditions. It doesn't lend itself to the proper educational uh, situation for that child, son or daughter, to learn and so uh, so, so uh, housing
3: is top priority. What about derelict uh, housing, uh, Frank? Uh, do, do you believe as a council more could be done to bring derelict properties back into use?
8: Oh, without a doubt. And I fought in last year's budget, the previous year budget, but I think we must see delivering this. i supported more funding. We have derelict sites and derelict uh, vacant houses inside in our towns, our key villages, which is one, one is actually done well, and all the other villages. Patricia and listeners, it's a no-brainer. It's the easiest way to, to get people back into houses and get families back into houses. You have inside in our towns. You have all the facilities there. You have the roads. You have the water. You have the storage. You have the broadband, which is very necessary. All cases, you have a bus and you have rural links. In a place like Mallee, you have the train, uh, train and you have a You have the train services. You have everything there which cost most. And I cannot see why we cannot bring those back in further. We have to look at it. We ha- and I'm a great believer. That I think we should pick a couple of villages and put a, a staff in there full time. Knock at the doors. Get up and get action. Bring them back to life. Most villages and towns at the moment in my area, after 7 o'clock in the evening or even before this, you could play a score of balls. There's nothing happening. They're dead. And now, you have the schools. They can walk them. They can walk the church, walk the shops. You have all the facilities. And you have most of them, the, the groundwork, the, whether it's the footpaths, broadband, ESP, water, sewage, everything is there. And I must say, I met the chief yesterday after our meeting yesterday, yesterday, when my first meeting I said, chief, we have to do something. The talking is over as far as bringing those back in. We have to get to work on them and make those and put life back into our town centres, life back into our villages, build up our communities. We have teams at the moment in some areas, they can't even field teams. And they have other villages and other towns, and in most cases underage, clubs have to come together to yeah. keep the G and keep the team, It's a no-brainer. You
3: need families living living in those areas. OK, all right. And then we, we know, of course, there will be local elections uh, next year. Uh, Frank, uh, do all political parties need to start encouraging more young people to get involved in politics? And, and the reason that I asked you specifically was I had uh, Deputy James O'Connor on the programme on uh, Friday when we were announcing that you were going to be taking over and that you were going to be elected as the county mayor. And uh, he actually uh, pointed to you as the reason. And why he went into politics?
8: Well, definitely, I'm a great encourager, and it was great to be in the chamber after being elected last Friday. Every single councillor from all across different parties. they said, "There was the encouragement from Frank before when they were running, and the encouragement after, and the help." Of course, Mr. It's like a, a local football team, a local GA team, any team, soccer or rugby. You must always be in the young people. But I was, I think, you should have a blend. I am the, the oldest member, of uh, longest serving in. Uh, for Finafall, I wouldn't be for. Um, uh, there's other members of other parties would be there much longer than me. Okay, but well you're the try. longest.
3: Yeah, you're the... Actually, I should have said that in the in, in the introduction. You're the longest uh, for Finafall, and you're also the first to be elected for Finafall. Even though uh, Councillor Ian Doyle has pointed out that he, you're not the first North Cork mayor because oh, he no. did take over uh, from Christopher Sullivan. But I suppose what I was intimating were well, you're the first to be elected. You're the first well, North um, Cork.
8: No, to what, what I said was I said the Ian I said in the is that uh, Ian Doyle uh, uh, came in when Christopher was appointed yeah. uh, and um, and he did a tremendous job it represented the, the, until during Covid it was very difficult yeah. but what I'm saying I'm the first being a from, from my municipal area that would take in from my Mitchelstown okay, and all okay. the villages the last person as list. I said that was there it was 42, 43 years ago okay. was Dick Fitzgerald uh, it, he was the local shop in Mitchelstown Broadway I always called that when I was working in I we with a great friendship and I always enjoyed and we always spoke about the council so I, I never thought that whenever we meet in Dick Moseley in his shop, that one day I would uh, hold the mantle mental of mayor or of uh, was chairperson. So we changed that in nine years ago. So I had that the, the okay. First funder for my municipal town, district. Town
3: okay. And so back to my last question: the, the, the question about is it getting more difficult to get young people involved in politics?
8: Well, it is, and I know other parties are finding it difficult to uh, The big problem here is the time it takes. My, uh, I was up this morning at quarter to seven. Uh, last night I went to bed at quarter to one. You can get calls from early morning to late at night, and it's not a five day week. You get calls Christmas Day. Saturday and Sunday are the same. Well, I'm used to hard work, so I'd, but um, this thing of closing down the phone. At five o'clock in the evening, Patricia. I'm
3: switching I off. Would,
8: But a counselor's uh, a work is never finished. We're always readily readily available, especially since the email came in and the bus, since the mobile phone. As um, someone said on on Friday, Frank Ophlin, he never leaves the phone off the hook. And that's that's. The, I give a good a good service. I'm always there. And I'll always get back to people, and I'm going to continue giving that. I mightn't be always su- successful. We can succeed in everything, but by God, constable Frank O'Flynn, as mayor, will continue. To work hard on behalf of the people of my area, and, tr- and I'm going to be Mayor for all of County Cork.
3: Okay, listen, enjoy the year, uh, Frank, and thank you very much for taking the time out. I just out say something
8: on uh, South Talk? Oh, I'd you motion, can, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at the last meeting, and uh, my colleague was on there earlier, I had a motion down uh, last Monday week, uh, the 19th of June. That was the meeting in Mallow. And uh, I have raised this, this situation. I had a meeting down fort earlier, and I got commitment from the minister in writing that there was he was given commitment that he would hold the South Dock Basin for me, which covers a very large area. But uh, the base is went with the service. We are told yeah, well, could from, they cut the hours? I mean, they're talking. They're talking about after ten o'clock at night. Yeah, ring an ambulance in this day and age. Yeah, petition listeners. And are you talking, a,
3: are you aware of this meeting tomorrow? There is a meeting tomorrow yeah. night,
8: and I want bring it up today. And I've also been on to the minister's office, and, and and we've written to the HSC and the minister because the last time we were writing that was so the minister gave us the commitment that South Dock Base was to stay in for my long term here I know and you know and everyone knows I'm not going to put the wood over anyone else they're talking about putting Mallow and for my into not in, 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 moving in the other city that's it, uh, up, near, up the old Sarsfields Court, they're going to close by stilt. They're saying that there aren't doctors available. You're talking here about the health of the community. You'd, people don't just don't get sick from, from 6 o'clock in the evening. The doctors close at 5, from 5 o'clock in the evening till 10. We have a tremendous service, we have tremendous staff, we have the drivers there, but also we have tremendous doctors who work there. And I cannot see for the life of me that they cannot... Advertise and get doctors put in position Because you're talking about the health of a community I'm not going to take this line down And the people from my are not going to take it down You're covering How in the name of God can you ring an ambulance after 10 o'clock The ambulance service now, know quite a lot of the drivers They can and go up to a, a-, 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 a Or someone, it calls from Not Long Down as far as Teller Bridge All the way over as far as Dune and Arden They, they go up to Cox City at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning And lie about maybe 2, 3, 4 or 6 hours We're talking about the health of a community I'm going to fight tooth and nail. Is this we have it? in the service in for my it's very accessible. We have great staff and we have good doctors. The ones that, the ones that are walking down there and I cannot see for me that they cannot put a system in place. I think there's 50 doctors on for my in Knockhock that could service that, and there's also locums that come out. And I cannot see we have to keep the service. We have to keep it for my. We have to keep it there for the people in Knockhock. It serves Watford Tipperary. And yeah, it's and a Limbry. big
3: catchment area. It's a big catchment it's a, area. Okay, it's as big as um,
8: City and County put together. That is North
3: o'clock. OK, I'm over on time. Uh, Frank, once again, congratulations on your election as Mayor and thank you for joining us today. Good thank morning you. to you. That is the Mayor of uh, Cork County. Cancer Frank Ufflin 0818-103-103. And uh, the listener has been back about the Jacopazzi sugar bowl that she bought online and was having difficulty getting through. She's just received uh, an update. The owner actually rang and the sugar bowl has been sent out today. There seemingly was a delay with them being made. So all is good with the world of Jacopazzi. Thank you for that. Now, two Cork cousins have developed a compostable PPE apron in order to reduce plastic usage within the healthcare industry. Dr. Mary O'Reardon along with her cousin Lisa have set up a startup company called Happy Earth and Mary joins me uh, with all of the details. Good morning to you Mary.
9: Good morning Patricia. I'm delighted can- to be talking to you. Well
3: thrilled to be talking to you. Can I just say firstly I love the name of the company. The Happy is H-A-P-P-E clever what you've done with uh. the name so, so so well done I see what you're doing there. Now did the amount of PPE aprons used during Covid did that spring you both into action?
9: That's exactly what it did I worked in the area myself very much during Covid and although I know we had to do what we had to do during that time I met Lisa during that time and she said Mary what are we going to do about the end result of plastic and if you think about aprons alone like we use an average in ireland just about 50 million of those single use throwaway aprons and that's year on year so if you think globally and then if you increase that up to about 80 million during covid you're talking about a significant burden of plastic in the world so we said we really need to think about something practical here and that's where the whole idea came from so how do
3: you go about producing a compostable apron
9: how how did you come up with it well, in a way, if, if, the brilliance, I suppose, about something so simple is the fact that we looked at other sectors and we saw. And my brother David was involved in this as well. He was out jogging and and, and or out running, and he actually um, saw different usage for materials out on land, etc. And we thought, okay, is there a solution in another sector like agriculture? and lo and behold there was and we wanted to then bespoke it for the medical industry because obviously a single use apron is a class 1 medical device and it has specifications that go with it because you have to protect your patient and your healthcare worker so we then spent uh, several several months working on a solution even though it's very simple i know but when you work on it and to see could we get something for the health sector so it was like combining and i think that's the the way forward i think for businesses in general and sectors is to really combine our expertise in different areas to come up with practical solutions for real world problems, I suppose you could call it. So you came up then obviously with a, with a pro, uh, prototype and then you had to trial the aprons. What, what reaction did you get to the trials? Well, we were blessed, right, because the Health Innovation Hub Ireland and um, so we entered the competition, we won it and we got involved then with the Southern Fairwing Cork. So a great shout out there sure. to um, everyone who helped us. And they tried, and we tried it in Tala as well and up in, the, up in Donegal in um, a care home facility. And what they found, which was really interesting for us was, number one, it was easy to put on tearability, all that when it comes off the Danny Centre, but they found it more breathable as well across the board. And they really liked the idea that it was guilt free, that they were saying, okay, this thing is not adding to the plastic landfill. That we all are kind of doing something practical on the ground in our daily work that can help, you know, reduce that plastic waste. So they gave us a great start and, and really um, delighted to have worked with them particularly, you know. And what are your aprons made from? Uh, it's a uh, it's a bioresin and that's a a polymer it's a use it's made from a sustainable thistle actually would you believe um so it's a starch and you um create this pellet or bioresin to actually then you you blow mold then into different shapes so it's um it's like low-density polyethylene resin, only it's made from a sustainable and um, compostable source, a bit like food. Yeah, so, yeah. We, what what you what you what our aim is then is to take something like that, bioresin, and you can then put it into your composting, and you can then bring it with your food waste. So that's two hospital waste now converted into a, either a fertilizer or a biofuel, and fantastic. that's the ultimate aim. You see,
3: fantastic. And how long does a plastic apron take to dis- disintegrate versus what what
9: will happen to yours? Well, if you just leave it on in landfill, which a lot of the world landfills their medical waste, um, it about fifty years in a landfill. Each oh. one of those. It's, it's shocking. Like it, it actually, and that's just the aprons alone. But if you look at ours, it's because it is um, been made with the land in mind. You actually, it's eight weeks Um, is the, uh, or 90, or you could say 90 days, a full cycle. But if you bring it into composting, then it can be even faster. That's so, incredible. and that's with no toxic residue at all. So now, of course, uh, the
3: big burning question is how much do they cost? Is there a big difference in
9: price? I know. Uh, that. See, that's the thing about sustainability. That's hard when you start out. When you do small batch and you're innovating, it can be very expensive. But we know we're entering into a healthcare consumable market that is all about, well, it's not all about, but it is a very strong element of pricing. So we've been able to whittle it down to about within 25% of the plastic. So we're still a little bit more, but we're hoping that things like plastics, single use plastics directive, um, that's really strong coming from Europe now, and that they'll be able to sort of see that there's a bridging of the gap for that small amount. And we'll work on it all the the time getting our volumes up and the more people that want it you see the more volumes and the better our price becomes, will be all the time.
3: But 25% of a difference isn't that much Mary I thought you were going to well, say be way off
9: the mark. Well there you go see but we worked hard on that now because ultimately and this is the truth of it we really want to solve this problem. Like when we say about business, we know that you have to have a robust business model in order for it to succeed, but every single apron we remove off a body inside and off a person Mm -hmm. in a health service, it's another apron gone out of landfill. So that's why we're so driven to solve it. And we've worked really hard with all sorts of suppliers, manufacturers, etc., to try and get this down. And yeah, so, so that's why we're hoping that our, we'll say the uh, Irish Health Service, et cetera, can kind of come on board with us and kind of, that we could do a sort of a shared pain, shared gain, and um, you kind of model and we could say, listen, we can do this together. It's a very simple change. And we've, we've, so, been, yeah. we've been good in this country. Like we were the first to introduce the
3: smoking ban. We were one of the first to introduce yeah. the, the, the fee on the plastic bags. You know, we're, we're, we're good at doing these things when we get our heads together and decide, yeah, we're going to... And that's that's what we need because ultimately you have to try and convince the healthcare industry
9: to make the change. Exactly. And I think we have... See, we've got that spirit of entrepreneurship. We've got that spirit of let's be... Because we'd be one of the first in the world. Like nobody has tackled this um, in, in any sort of a real way. So to me, that... I think we can do it. Like, I think Ireland has that kind of appetite. As you say, the smoking ban, we took it on when we never thought we could. And so that's why I get kind of excited about it because I think, okay, this is something, and and especially if you have all that legislation coming down and policies really strong on the environment. And then to translate that into something very real, very practical. Well, I, I, you know, it would be a sort of a, a door opening to other ways of, you know, tackling the climate crisis as well from a healthcare perspective. You know,
3: yeah, because everybody knows we're using too much plastic, and you know, and rather than wringing our hands, going, "Oh, what can we do? What can we, what can we do?" <laughs> You've come up with something practical. Long term, <laughs>
9: then, Mary, are, are there other products that you you're thinking of producing? Absolutely, because we we really want to focus on the single items that cannot be reused or recycled, because we know that there are many things you can reuse and recycle, and we don't want to stray into that space if there's an alternative. But we're saying for the items, so you'd be thinking of other types of consumables like the head cover, the foot cover, et cetera, um, and looking at those, and we're already in development for those, and also looking at the waste cycle and also looking to see can we monitor the whole cycle so we can help people assess how much single-use plastic waste that they've taken away, also what kind of carbon emissions they've reduced, you know, and also that they can report that back easily because I know the health service has so many things to do and so many things to report on that we wanted to make that a little easier for them as well so we can see that, yeah, we are making a difference, that we're not just, as you say, throwing the hands and going it's overwhelming, that we can see little by little by taking tiny pieces We can do this. And that's why, I mean, we said we'll, we'll do this little bit and then others can do other pieces and wherever their sector is. But, uh, yeah so and and then of course the waste end as well that's very exciting we're hoping to do some research and development around that whole area about how you make it into a biofuel how you make it then into a, a fertilizer so we can get again in a full cycle way in the circular economy kind of way
3: well done well done I I, I absolutely adore your enthusiasm are you working at this full time or are you still working as a doctor sure.
9: Uh, well, I had to come out actually as a doctor in July last year, simply because it's, it was full on. And yeah. we got great support from. Uh, so uh, we're out now into um, great support from Enterprise Ireland, great support from the New Frontiers Programme in Cork. Actually, the the Rubicon Centre has been fabulous, and also the Accelerate Green Program with Resolve Partners and Board Lamona, um that's in Tullamore. So we've been absolutely assisted. That's why I know there's an appetite for this. And you know, we're kind of of the belief that if we bring ourselves to this project, then others will come too and will assist us in that. So, you know, that's why I suppose we have that spirit of community in this endeavour, you know.
3: Well done. We will watch you and follow your progress uh, with great interest and we wish you nothing but luck with it, uh, Mary, uh, you, Lisa and the rest of the gang, because it's fantastic uh, what you are hoping uh, to do. So good luck with it and thanks for joining us on the programme.
9: Thank you so much, Patricia. Good morning
3: to you. Bye bye. That is Dr. Mary uh, O'Riordan of uh, Happy Earth. And actually, they have a great website if you want to check it out. And you can actually see their compostable compostable, uh, apron. It really is terrific. Michael says, how are you doing, Patricia? I'm doing well. Thank you, Michael. That's a fantastic new business idea. Happy Earth. And it will do so much for the environment as well. Uh, If I feel, I feel it is worldwide potential, says Michael. Actually, Michael, so do I. But doesn't it just show, says Michael, what an impact one person with a great idea can achieve. Best of luck to Dr. Mary and her team into the future. I think it's a success story for the next uh, generation. So say all of us. Thank you for your WhatsApp Michael to 0862 103 103. Going to take a break. We've got news at 12 midday on the way.
4: Court today on C103. With
2: Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. C-M-I-G dot I-E.
3: Our final pair of tickets to the National Menopause uh, Summit. We have a pair of balcony tickets. the National Menopause Summit is coming to Cork advocating for change on Friday the 20th of October. It's described as a landmark event and it will be packed a packed agenda of knowledge, advice and support. And uh, as we mentioned yesterday and again last week when I gave some of these tickets away, please only enter if it's something you really feel you yourself could benefit from or you've got a family member that you feel could really benefit from attending the National Menopause Summit. Now often uh, when people go through the menopause they talk about mood swings. So today's word that we want you to text or WhatsApp to us is simply the word mood along with your name and address. So test the word mood Okay. <laughs> to 86 with your name and address or you can WhatsApp it. We'll leave it open for uh, about 10 minutes and then we will select today's winner who will win that pair of balcony tickets to go along to the Cork City Hall on Friday, October the 20th. If you'd like more information about the National Menopause Summit, then they've got an excellent uh, website that you can take a look at all the events that are going to be happening on the day and also you can book tickets. It's the com. but get texting now the word mood along with your name and uh, address. Now, some of your calls and comments coming into the program uh, today on Mallow Playground Uh, John Paul says we've received some calls in connection to the resurfacing of the Castle Park Playground in Mallow resurfacing work was ongoing and it was due to reopen around the 16th of June now obviously we're way past we're coming to the end of June but a number of listeners have told us that the the play park in the castle is still closed and uh, people are saying when can we find out when is going to be the opening of it and we've got on to Cork County Council and we are awaiting an issue and we're also So on to Cork County Council with regards to bail neblaw, some calls in from people in the Nooses town. Crookstown uh, area with regards to the Nablaw Monument. Now, these are obviously people living locally, so they're passing the site uh, every day and they're making the point that a lot of work went into the site and, and it did and it was work that needed to be done and from safety point of view and all of that. And it's kind of future-proofed it for the next uh, generation. But people are starting to notice that the site is starting to become very overgrown uh, looking Now, this isn't hedging. They're talking about grass is uh, growing up and it's starting to look a little bit unkept, which uh, saddens me after all the work that was done in on the site um, across this year and uh, last year. And people are making the point that, look, we're into the tourist season and a lot of people will travel to bail A lot of people stop and wonder the photographs and take photographs, etc. And it would be dreadful to see it with grass growing up around the side of the monument. Could something be done, particularly with the tourist season upon us? So we're on to Cork County Council in relation to that. And we're also awaiting an answer. So hang in there on that and hopefully we'll have an answer back, if not today, hopefully by tomorrow. 0818 103 103 three. Coffee cups were mentioned when we spoke up with Eyeball and the amount of litter. We're doing well we're getting better but there are still parts of uh, this beautiful island of ours that is heavily littered but one of the problems that Connor spoke about when they went out to do their surveys was coffee cups and this is simply people driving around in their cars uh, having their cup of coffee which is a great thing to do and it's great for the businesses to stop and have your cup of coffee and instead of bringing a keep cup with them they're just tossing the coffee cups out the uh, window and that then led to somebody saying, but a lot of the keep cups that you buy, the reusable coffee cups, they're too tall and when you bring them into a coffee shop, the coffee shop will say, oh we can't use them in the machine. Well Eileen in Ballancolic, who I'm assuming is somebody in the know and either works in a cafe or has worked in a cafe. She said all of those coffee machines, you can move the nozzle up and uh, down. She said 90% of them go up and down and People may not be aware of it. So they do match all size uh, coffee cups. So it is possible if you have a tall coffee cup and you go into a cafe or self-service, you should be able to fit your cup in by simply moving the nozzle up or down. Thank you for uh, that. And then listen to this when we're talking about dumping. Hi, Patricia. I was in my garden last evening and I live on a road between Liss Griffin and Castlecore. A car drove past rolled down the window and threw out a dinner plate and a fork at my front wall, hit the wall, smashed. Half of the plate actually ended up in my garden when I went to pick it up. Yeah, it had been somebody eating their dinner. There was some kind of sauce still left on the plate. People are a disgrace. Who would do this? Firstly, who is? Now, I'm assuming it isn't the person driving along. I'm I'm. We take it; it's the person in the passenger seat was in such a rush to get a lift somewhere that they're driving along, eating their dinner from a dinner plate that they are taken from home, along with the fork. And then, what? What a waste, as well! And what kind of a society do we live in that somebody? Okay, I don't have an issue if if you don't have time to eat your dinner at home and you're in a rush and you, you need to get a lift somewhere, so you're driving along and you decide you bring your your plate of dinner with you and you're eating it as the as, as say assume the other person's driving you along. But would you not just put the plate in the footwell of the car along with the fork and wait until you get it home and then wash it or either pop it into the dishwasher? Are we gone that bad that somebody can have a dinner on a plate, eat it and then open the car window and toss the full dinner plate and the fork out the window? Crazy. Absolutely crazy. It's a pity you didn't get the car registration 0818 103, 103 still getting in talks about doctors and GP practices and the expense of them and people saying they don't don't spend a lot of time with you Mary says Patricia my GP it's 60 euro for a visit if I need to get bloods done then it is 20 uh, euro and if I'm just picking up a prescription it is 60 euro I get charged I don't have a medical card and I'm aged 70 at one and um, and I don't know. I mean, I know the medical cards are means tested. The only thing I will say, Mary, did you apply again when you were 70? Because as far as I know, the income limit goes up for those over 70 for a medical card or a GP. If you're over the financial limit for the medical card, you might be entitled to a GP visit card, which certainly would reduce some of those costs. So if you haven't reapplied since you hit 70 I certainly would be suggesting that you do that somebody else is complaining that doctors don't give you enough time when you go into them and I'm defending it saying they're just is it because they're just so busy this listener says if a GP can't give you the time then they should charge you less you shouldn't be charged the full amount of 60 euro I won't get the cost of a day's hire anywhere if I don't put in the 8 hours I can't expect payment for 8 hours if I'm only present for 2 and a busy Waiting room is no excuse, says this listener. 0818103103. On doctors, then, and the amount of doctors that are leaving this country and going abroad as soon as they're qualified. Patricia, I am blue in the face from saying this. If you train in this country for a fraction of the fees it would cost you to train in any other country, then you should be made to stay here for at least five years and give back to society. After the five years, then you can go wherever you like. If you don't stay in the country, then you should be made to pay back the college fees that you owe. Our politicians having the brain between them, it should be mandatory. It does happen in other countries. That, that isn't reinventing the wheel, where particularly if it's state-funded universities, which like we have here in this uh, country, you do have to give something back and then you can go off on your travels. And I'm assuming that that listener has contacted us uh, before and made the point that we would have a rotation then of, even if after the five years that group of doctors or nurses or teachers or whatever it was if they decided to move on there would be another cohort coming out of uh, college so you'd constantly have a rotation of uh, professional uh, people 0818 103 103 on housing we touched on housing when we spoke with the new mayor of Cork County uh, Frank O'Flynn somebody says what's happening is house owners, landlords, are giving false notices to quit, particularly to long-term tenants. They do it so they can make more money from new tenants. I feel, says this texter, that there's a lot of dishonesty going on here. Well, all I would say to anyone, if you get a notice to quit, and we're always pointing people the first, your first port of call after you get over the shock of the notice to quit, is to go to threshold with the notice to quit to make sure that it is a legally valid notice to quit. Because if you're a long-term tenant, uh, There's got to be a very long lead-in to you actually leaving that uh, property. So I would always say to people when they get the notice to quit, get it checked with threshold just to make sure that it is a legal and binding notice to quit. And it is what every person renting a house is in dread of that they're going to get a notice to quit from their landlord Hi Patricia can anybody explain to me why Irish Rail won't simply put on an extra carriage for Sunday's match in Dublin there are so many Cork supporters who are now left high and dry and that comes up every time that there's a match and people try to book the train tickets and then all the train tickets are gone I know in the past whenever we get on to Irish Rail they tell us this to do with rolling stock that they simply don't have the uh, rolling stock and that all of the stock is, is used particularly when it's on the uh, weekends but it is frustrating if you if your plan was to go by train and then suddenly you discover all of the train tickets are gone there's sometimes with matches it's easier to get the ticket I know on things like All, all Ireland sometimes it can be easier to get the ticket to the All Ireland than it is to get the ticket on the train 0818 103, 103. and then on Ryan Tupperty, we had the listener who contacted us earlier who's a bit worried about Ryan Tuberty and his mental health with everything that's going on, you know, even his people that he work with all seem to be coming out and it looks like everyone is against uh, Ryan Tupperty and this particular listener is saying look at the end of the day let's you know remember he's a human being and listener sh- was would just worry about his mental health and I said I'd had a conversation with somebody yesterday and I thought the very same thing whether you love him or hate him he is a human being and he has to be really struggling at the moment listening to everything that's on the TV or on the radio, reading newspapers and I really just hope that he's not uh, watching or reading anything on social media Somebody says, Morning, Patricia, are you for real? A man earning half a million a year and it's not easy for him. For God's sake, get a grip, says this listener. While someone else says, Hi, Patricia, I have to say we as a nation have the highest regard for Ryan Tuberty. I still do, because we don't know the man is guilty of anything at this stage. I really hope he's not because if he is I'll never believe in anyone again and by God don't the vultures turn on you very fast it's times like this you find out who your friends are I still believe in him anyway thanking you uh, Patricia says one listener I think within RTE and I did read an article over the weekend that uh, if he does come back and, and you know and there's some people saying he'll never come back from this he'll never be on radio again but if, but I know he himself seemingly his last utterance was he, he can't wait uh, to go back on air There are there is the the talk that he'll find it, it very hard or people will find within RTE will find it very hard to work with him and that some members of staff may refuse to work with him uh, because what is really coming out is the divide that exists in RTE you've got this top 10 and I think there's only 10 on the list of the huge huge high earners and then the bulk of the people working within RTE are on nowhere near those sums of money. I mean, I was reading. Um, I was online or in the papers because there's just so much on this particular story. That you know, researchers on a lot of the programs, like what Ryan Tuberty works on, including the Late Late Show. You know, they they're on starting salaries of between twenty and thirty thousand euro. And again, I question how anyone on between twenty and thirty thousand euro can be living in Dublin. Certainly, they're not single. They're either living at home, or they they're with somebody else, or they're house sharing with a lot of people because it would be an iron. Impossible uh, to to be able to live with the cost of living in Dublin and the cost of housing in uh, Dublin. So there is a huge, huge divide now within RTE between those at the top and those at the very bottom, and those in the middle. And there is huge anger. I'm uh, I mean Emma o, Emma O'Kelly, who is head of the. Union, uh, the National Union of Journalists for, for the Dublin Broadcasting section and she works for RTE. She has been absolutely, I've seen her on TV and you can nearly see a fire coming out through her eyes and she wrote an op-ed piece in one of the papers today where she was really calling it out how difficult it is for the other members of staff within RTE because whenever they go looking for money be it to upgrade equipment or if they're even looking for equipment to do their job they're told, sorry we've no money, we've no money I mean she spoke about uh, a remote control in the newsroom breaking and going looking for a new remote control a replacement to be told we don't have any money for that and she said could you imagine working in a newsroom where you can't switch on the television I mean crazy situations and people having out of date equipment are not even having the equipment that they need because the resources aren't there and then she said for them to hear of these you know huge sums of uh, money being paid out uh, to the top 10 it is really really uh, tricky always John Paul continues to take your calls. You can stop texting us on our menopause competition, please, because we have our winner for today. We asked you to text the word mood along with your name and address. And our winner today is Mary O'Mahony of Chapel Street in Dunmanway. Congratulations to you, Mary. You will be heading to the Cork City Hall on Friday the 20th of October to go along to the National Menopause Summit. And as I mentioned, tickets and details of the summit are available on nationalmenopause summit.com 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls The C103 Cork Diary
2: with Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at Corkcoco.ie
3: St. Aloysius Summer Faith Camp is going to be held from the 3rd of July to the 6th of July it's in the CDYS Mallow Community Youth Centre it's for boys and girls aged 5 to fourteen. The camp will run from 9.30 in the morning until 3 in the afternoon every day that week and it includes activities such as drama, arts and crafts, music and more. Registration forms are available from CDYS office in Mallow. More information from Bernadette 086 803 1126. And the ISPCC are looking for volunteers for their Childline listening service at their office in Cork Childline. 24-7 Operates twenty four seven. It's a listening service. It's free and confidential, and can be reached online or by phone. If you'd like to volunteer, they're asking people to contact volunteer recruitment at ispcc.ie. Shambhali Moore Bingo is on tonight, eight o'clock in the community centre. They've got a jackpot of one thousand nine hundred euro. 45 calls are less all are welcome and an exhibition of photography performance and film will open this friday night half past six and that's at the chapel hill school of art in uh, McCrew.
4: Cork Today on C103 With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom,
2: now part of McCarthy Insurance Group, for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now
3: Humphrey uh, Deegan, uh, former councillor in Clonakilty, has uh, contacted us uh, this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Humphrey.
7: Good afternoon, Patricia.
3: And you're, you're, you're raising an interesting point about public boards. I mean, I take it in, in particular, you're, you're thinking about what's going on in RTE at the moment and the board of RTE. Is, is that where your thoughts lie?
7: Ah, oh, yes. Patricia, do we have a, it's almost a prerequisite now for anybody that would be applying for a state board that they'll either be solicitors, barristers, accountants, but uh, as some people would say, part of the professional classes. And there wouldn't be much room for a couple of cute fellas that might ask a couple of awkward questions. But we've, we've arrived with a situation where there is no accountability and the board is saying that they didn't know about it. Well, that's not good enough. And we have a situation where the auditors say that oh, they weren't informed, but they were being paid good money to review these accounts. And uh, I have an awful feeling that one of these auditors was uh, somebody who may have audited our banks in the past.
3: Well, we don't know that, so let's be let's be careful when we're when we're going down the, uh, that route. But but the the, the fact that the RT board are coming out and claiming ignorance, ignorance is not a defence. Is
5: that would no that be your point? Yeah,
7: absolutely. And look, for somebody who put his hand up and said there was something very dodgy on the board I was sitting on, and whoever blew the whistle on this will get no thanks for it. And this would never have come to light. The auditors would never have said anything. Only that somebody pointed out something that was clearly obvious in some dodgy account that was out there. So like, nobody wanted to know about this. And it suited everybody to keep the, the norm there at this office. And now we have the teacher coming out saying that they're going to review this and they're going to have new corporate governance. And if I hear about any more corporate governance, are going to be sick. The corporate mm-hmm. governance that there already, uh, but like everybody knows that they have to dig down into these things, ask corporate questions and not be popular between the board and the senior management. That's not their job. They're there, they're there to safeguard the interests of the public, not their, their own interests.
3: Yeah. And, you know, listen, we're, we're, only time will tell what will come out from the, have you have you much faith in the Oireachtas committees? Tomorrow is the media committee. Um, board members are going to be in before that. And then, of course, it's the PAC on Thursday. And, of course, the big question that we still can't get an answer on, will D. Forbes show up?
7: The actors' Committee might as well be hitting handball off a haystack. They're going to be kicked for touch at the great excuse, oh, that's legal, and we can't answer that.
3: Commercially and sensitive. This,
7: and the whole lot of that. And look, there was somebody from uh, one of these uh, professors of media, and all this was on the radio this morning on Radio 1, about that, oh, it has to become a fully state-funded broadcaster. It's going to cost half a billion a year. Like, does, people have an agenda here. And it's, it's going to suit a lot of people to try to make it fully uh, state funded until insanity and nothing else.
3: Well, if they go fully state funded uh, and they think they're going to get away with paying people the money that they're paying the top ten, I mean, they can forget about it.
7: Don't worry, don't worry. They're going to push this agenda now because it has to be fully state funded. And sure our friends the Greens have decided they want to uh, expand uh, the public service by somewhere between thirty and forty percent. Don't be, don't be, don't be worried that Catherine Martin won't go along with
3: this. I'm just looking at how the, uh, the structure, how the board of uh, RT is made up. It consists of 12 members. Six are nominated by the Minister. Four yeah. are nominated by the Minister on the advice of the Oireachtas Joint Committee with responsibility for broadcasting. What is interesting is a worker director? Yeah,
7: worker directors. Is There two of those there.
3: It's just one on yeah, the they, one worker director yeah. and the, oh, and the director general of course would be a worker director, wouldn't she? Um What was Steve Forbes? Yeah, Um, um yeah.
7: But like the, the the funding of this has been a um, hobby horse of politicians for years, and and of RTE, and they've been playing this thing back and forth between themselves. But like the the extraordinary amounts of money that was raised by the sale of that in, in the monstros and half it went straight into the pension pot mm. so, so like it's, it's there's extraordinary money floating around there and yet uh, <laughs> it seems to be fairly fast and loose how they were running it
3: but yet when I, I have massive sympathy for the ordinary workers and, and particularly like the more junior roles the researchers I mean, some of the stories that are coming out, I mean, you know, M.O. Kelly talking about the remote control in the newsroom not working and they couldn't switch on, on the TV. Yep. She was talking about regional uh, reporters couldn't, didn't have the equipment to send back in the news uh, yep. stories. Somebody else who was to use an ironing board as as a table because he's, the desk broke. Someone else is standing because he can't get a new chair. I mean, it. and every time they went, oh, we've no money, we've no money, we've no money. And then they can come out with, and then the other I'm going to get in a rant now then you've yeah. got the staff members coming out saying oh, well we're being honest this is how much we earn and you know without you know saying I earn 280000 for doing a two hour show five days a week and not batting an eyelid
7: well I, that's a bit of a hobby horse of mine as well and the other they talk about we'll have a 15% pay cut but if the 15% pay cut was to be applied properly right across it would be about 30% for the people at the top and 15% for the people at the bottom you'd have the wage would press
2: down,
7: mm. and if there is wage increases, it, the wage would press from the bottom up, and but that wouldn't suit because if you are taking a fifteen percent wage cut and you are earning fifty thousand, that's a lot of money. But if you are earning one hundred fifty, yeah, yeah,
3: it's all relative. So, yeah, it is. So and, but and the one big question that still, and I know D Forbes yesterday in her statement answered some of the questions that people were looking for, but the one big question that I have: Why did they decide to hide this extra money for Ryan Tauberty Why didn't they declare it?
7: That's just a mystery in itself.
3: Mm-hmm. And look,
7: look, look you, you can't blame Troberty for taking the money. Like they were, it was a deal that was done, but how it was accounted for by his bosses was just like... like he's, a, he's a private contractor, but how they accounted for it is nuts. Nuts.
3: Do you feel for him?
7: Do you know, for a guy who was held in such high esteem by the public, he's he's after falling a long way now, and which is... Must be very hard for him and his family, but like he has questions to answer here as well. So it's public money, so it must be accounted for.
3: Hero to zero. It was only oh, how, yeah. how many weeks ago he was being fated for the last. Yeah. Uh, as somebody said, Did you, you, you two want their want their Vespa motorbike, <laughs> 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 which they don't, oh, don't. No, I but, but you like, know what I mean. He was everyone. He was the best thing since sliced and, bread, and then and, my God, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So
7: like. It's very difficult and like people are very aggravated and, and perplexed about this because they, they, people like Tromperty and they like the show and it was easy listening and easy watching and, and now they say, oh Jesus, is there anything left that hasn't been tainted?
3: I know, I know. And, so, then, oh, and then Patrick Keelty will be moving into the position and... Oh. he's now coming under scrutiny as to how much, nobody knows how much he's getting. They're going to have to yeah. declare how much they're paying him. Anyway, yeah. it's, got, Gosh, it's terrible. And it'll go on for, for a
7: Both long time it, more, it, for sure. It will. and it will, But like, the, the auditors and the solicitors and the barristers and all this, they're, they're not going to draw a fortune money work you out what happened here. It's very simple. Somebody did a dodgy deal, didn't declare it, lads? put your hands up now, tell us what happened. And there's no need for an inquiry, just tell us what happened. Yeah, and That'll be the end of it.
3: Okay. Listen Humphrey, so, good to hear thank from you. Thanks. Thanks a million. Thanks. Bye bye. Uh Joan Kilmatic said so did the likes of Enda Kenny and Mary McAleese, how much did they get paid? For the shows they fronted, they're already on big salaries and big pensions, how much on top? Well, they would have, I don't know whether they, they would have had an agent or not, but they would have agreed as some. Claire Byrne said she got 25000 for doing that quiz show that she's been doing for the last number of weeks. So I don't know if that's standard uh, or not. John in Cove on Ryan Tuberty and his mental health. He wasn't really worried about the real people that had mental health problems when he was filling his bank account The listener that said that is a load of rubbish. So, um, John, not worried about Ryan Taubert's mental health. And just one completely different, and this is shocking, when I spoke about the plate being thrown out, somebody having their dinner in the car and then throwing the plate out the window along with the fork and it gets smashed on a listener's uh, wall. Uh, Orla in Bally Villan said last week, some guy drove by where Orla lives, wait for this, and threw a little puppy out of a moving car. It was near the playground in Ballyvillean. Lucky for the pup, one of Orla's neighbour's daughter was there at the time, rescued the pup, took the pup to the vet and... My God, miracle of miracles, the pup is fine. But And they're now looking after the pup. But to think somebody would do something like that. Horrible, absolutely horrible. It's bad enough to dump a little puppy. And we know people dump puppies and, and kittens and dogs. But to actually throw it out of a moving car, that really is beyond cruel. 0818 or 103,
4: 103 Our lines are open. Court today on C103. With Corrigan
2: Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie.
4: Court today on C103.
3: And just one final uh, text on the RTE controversy, as Michael uh, puts it. Uh, Michael says I really hope the D Forbes doesn't just walk away without answering the many questions people have about these disgraceful payments on top of whatever what already is lottery money wages. I also thought the chair of the board, although new, was extremely weak when she was on the news last Friday. We all need clear answers to the goings on if you or I didn't pay our TV licence, we'd be fined, we could even be jailed. Hopefully the same criteria will apply here. How much will the external review cost now on top of everything else? The government cannot simply grant any more additional licence fee increases to RTE now. And that's for sure. And that's from Michael. Thank you for your text, Michael, to 0818 103 103. Joe Heffernan joins us. He's back after his little sojourn. He had a little bit of a break. Good afternoon to you, Joe.
10: Good afternoon, Patricia. And you, you, yeah, were, we you, were, headed,
3: you were a week away. You, you, we you had, left we the country. Had the, first,
10: the first time in three and a half years. Um, and it all seems strange but wonderful. You know, the message I brought back with me from my break um, and Mary's was the kindness, the absolute kindness of Irish people. Um, there was a guy uh, sitting beside us on the plane, Aidan Power. He turned out to be a cyber security expert. But we didn't get to lift the case. We didn't get to almost touch the case. Um, You know, the cases um, uh, were put up uh, on the overhead thing, um, taken down, taken down the steps of the plane. I mean, wonderful. Wonderful. You'd say no. It the, the, they the saw, only downside. Yeah. Of it, it must have been that I was obviously cropped. Ah
3: well, no, you were. I mean, you've had you've had back and hip issues, yeah. which would be quite yeah. obvious to any anybody. But but lovely of that guy Aiden to spot. Or oh, there's there's a couple that need a bit of help.
10: Unbelievable. Um, and on the way back, um, the Robinson family from Mitchellstown uh, copped that we were under a bit of pressure. And did the very same thing
2: That's we right. didn 't
10: touch a case we didn't lift a case we we you know um it was outstandingly remarkable um the absolute kindness of people and in fairness, the Ryanair um steward and etc were wonderful as well, so we got great help, even though there's um yeah i I had a little bit of back trouble um on the trip and um that's it I'm but stuck with that for yeah, quite a while
3: but you, you you had a good break and that's, that's the had. main thing so well we done had, thank and, and it's just and it's. I think it's nice to actually uh, to comment on it as well to say to people yes. you know reach out and help if you see somebody who needs a little bit of help just ask absolutely yeah. and you weren't yeah. in any way offended that people were rushing to help you
10: or not in the <laughs> least I was really 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 impressed really? I mean I thought people are People are good.
3: People are good. They are indeed. Yes. Now we are going to a very serious topic uh, yes. today because unfortunately we are seeing a report of an increase in cocaine use in Ireland, and and I think the the, the figure a hundred and seventy percent increase in the numbers of young people. This is treated for for cocaine use. That's exactly. a, fright, that's and a and frightening. And you and figure. I know,
10: Patricia. That's the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a Garda chief superintendent um, issued the following uh, statement. Ireland is loaded with cocaine. We will lose a generation of young people if we don't tackle it as a health issue. Now, apparently, on a survey that was done, I don't know exactly when, but it turned out that Irish people are the joint fourth highest consumers of cocaine Globally, imagine that. now. it was in a United Nations report. Joint fourth highest consumers of cocaine globally. No, that would be in in, uh, in in relative to our population. Yeah. Um. So, uh, and, it,
3: and the uh, knock-on then are the this increase in people being treated for, for cocaine yeah. use. But as you say, they're just the ones being treated. So we're not counting yeah. the ones who have who are not being treated or not being treated yet.
10: Exactly. Um, And there's an increasing prevalence in the use of cocaine, according to this report, in 15 to 24-year-olds. That was now the Health Research Board um, report. Um, A dramatic spike in people seeking help for problem cocaine use. Now, I've come across um, uh, cocaine um, uh, problems in my work. And, um, you know, uh, no one... No one that I've spoken to had anything very good to say about their um, uh, uh, Interaction Association use of cocaine. It always, and I mean always, finished bad. Um, I, I, So, even this, so, extreme, so that's, that's huh? a
3: kind of a myth then when you get people saying, oh, it's just a recreational drug, it's just a party drug, it won't do you any harm.
10: Th- that's the problem, you see, is that um, there's an initial high um, quite a high um, uh, with uh, with say snorting cocaine, um, but the problem is that almost uh, well very soon after um, there's an intense, huge depression, and then that can lead to a person saying, oh, "Gee, I need some more. I want to get out of this awful feeling that I have." And there's the vicious cycle then that leads to addiction. And more and more use. As well as other use. big, big but, problems. Uh, but
3: uh, but the, one, the one thing that always astounds me, you know, when I hear about this uh, increase in cocaine use and, you know, and our users now are the second highest in, in Europe. Uh, if I wanted to, not that I do, but if I wanted to do cocaine in the morning, I wouldn't have a clue where to go. But seemingly, it's very easily available.
10: Apparently, Patricia, you would have no problem whatsoever. Um, I've heard of people, they've told me themselves, that if they go to, we said the pub, um, they could be asked, A, did they want some cocaine, or B, have they some cocaine uh, for, for sale? Um, uh, it's an epidemic. Um, there is no problem uh, accessing cocaine. Even there was um, a term used recently, um, uberized cocaine use. Um, in other words, like um, uh, phone numbers that are fairly well traded around and known um, uh, where a phone call is made and a delivery is arranged very quickly for um, uh,
3: my cocaine. My goodness. Yeah, All and right. an
10: awful lot of people then, in my own experience listening to people talking with me, um, a lot of people, to finance their own use, uh Will 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 be will will deal it on to others,
3: and that's um, where you're on a really really dangerous path.
10: Oh yeah, and I mean uh, I have I have um, I, I I have spoken with uh, with parents who have um, you know uh, even borrowed to pay off um, <coughs> excuse me cocaine debt. I have heard of um, homes being threatened. That if the payment wasn't forthcoming, that uh, there would be bad consequences.
3: you don't mess um, with those people
10: oh yeah oh it's and I mean all parents want to you know want to protect their family it's the it's it's a given I mean from the day that the child opens his or her eyes and until we close our eyes, they're the kids and um and when there's a, a problem we we help mm. and uh, we help in any way we can um but unfortunately um people can get involved with bad people and um and then unfortunately sometimes not always but sometimes a per- the young person can uh, get back into uh, using again and uh, and the whole uh, cycle of um Uh, stress and despair um, starts again. You see the thing is like that when a person uses cocaine for the first time okay there's um, um, uh, what we call it there's a high, a big high and uh, oh wonderful I can take on the world Um, you know superman or superwoman because there has been an increase in the use by uh, young women but um, then comes the other side of it, the, um, the depression. And the depression can um, equally measure the, the high that was before it. In, in, in other words, like it's a deep, deep depression. And uh, the, the person then uh, feels, uh, of course, they want to get out of that awful place. And that can become, do you know what? I'll use some more. And I'll get back um, on, the, on the high. But of course, that can't last. And there are long term effects as well. And I, I take mean, it
3: there's a tolerance thing as well, whereas people will start probably with a small amount and then they get to tolerate it, and suddenly, when they do want the high, they'll need to take more and more.
10: Absolutely. 100% correct. Um, it takes more and more for the old high. And um, and that's where the whole cycle of addiction then gets going. And, uh, you know, the person can be anxious, they can be paranoid, they are intensely depressed. And there's the craving for uh, more of the drug to cause, to get back to the uh, high, which is a complete false um, a promise from the drug because long-term it only finishes up in bad stuff like panic attacks, psychosis even. Um, There can be convulsions. There can even be death. Um, And that's You know, uh, when when people think about the awful, awful drugs, um, heroin, for example, comes to mind and that. But this kind of um, uh, drug that got some kind of, um, uh, I don't know, um, it was known ab- as ab- the,
3: ab- 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 a good ab- it was it was known as the party drug it was known no, you as haven't. you know yeah. and there's nothing wrong with cocaine it's just no, going you go out on a Saturday night and have fun nobody saw the damages of long term cocaine use and that's what you're talking about today
10: yeah um, I mean and physically there can be high blood pressure there can be there have been heart attacks strokes and even death there's definitely liver kidney and lung damage Um You'd often hear of a person, you know, the little thingy in the middle of our nose called the septum? Yeah. Where it becomes hauled and it even can be destroyed. The girl, we've read the, about yeah, that
3: the actress with, who used to be in EastEnders, she lost hers completely. From, there you from are. From cocaine use, yeah. Yeah,
10: yeah. So, like, I mean, it's not the party drug. <laughs> it's it's a very, very poor party. It's a party that doesn't work. Um, yeah. You're you're dealing with um, with very dangerous um, uh, stuff with with this cocaine, mm-hmm. and I would love it that that message would get out because you see the temptation can be you know I'll chance it. It's just and, a um, party
3: drug, yeah, and and I yeah. won't
10: become addicted. Um, you know, I I can do this. The world, I I don't like the term at all, but um, recreational drug use. I mean, the recreation can turn into. Um, you know a holiday in hell um is it's not it's not a great recreation at all okay um all right listen what, yeah huh? we're we're
3: out on time unfortunately i have to wrap it up there listen good advice as as always steer well clear of cocaine i think is our message today have a great week yes. and we'll, we'll talk and to it, you next week
10: and i would say patricia if you're in trouble talk to someone make a phone call attend maybe na meetings. na is brilliant um na island Um, but do something about it.
3: Reach out. Okay, Joe, thanks for that. Have a lovely week. And Joe Heffernan. Bye bye. Joe runs a counselling practice in Bui. His number is 0868348145. And Justin Luce Capaldi has announced he's going to take a break for the foreseeable future. The poor lad. Uh, that's where I leave you for today. Uh, thanks to John Paul, who produced Nick Witcher for the afternoon. And we'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 and then I'm session. Messenger, very good afternoon. Court today on C103
2: with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the